Welcome to the LHA Church Podcast. This is Jerry Galloway, and I'm the pastor of LHA Church. Thanks for joining us today. I pray this blesses you, strengthens your faith to know that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you'll take them out, and let's go together to Matthew, the 18th chapter. Matthew, the 18th chapter. As you're turning there, I want to set a little bit of preface for where we're heading together today. If you remember back in the spring, uh, filled out cards for the You Asked For It series. As uh, we are beginning that series today, You Asked For It. I will tell you it was a challenge as all of those cards came in to just kind of prayerfully consider, Lord, where do we go with that? Because there was well over 40 different topics that came in. And I told him, I said, goodness, if we go through these, we'll have about two or three years worth of sermons <laughs> just getting through everything. And uh, so we've just been prayerfully asking the Lord for direction. And uh, I felt prompted. One of, one of the topics that came through uh, several times, um, I felt very prompted in my heart um, to share. And so I put it on for the, the first step in the process. And I will tell you that uh, even as Monday morning came here around the office, um, the best way that I know to describe it to you is uh, I have experienced spiritual warfare this week in a way, actually I'm not sure I've ever experienced in my life. From the very beginning of the week, um, and um, it wasn't until yesterday actually in prayer that uh, the Lord just really kind of came in in the moment and uh, lifted, really, the harassment uh, that had been coming from the enemy all week long. As, um, you know, there's many times, usually when I, when I prepare for a message, I really uh, feel like the Lord has directed me. But I have to say, I don't, I don't know who or uh, how many it might be today. Uh, there's something that God has for you today. And, um, and so, actually, all, all that I know to do at this point is to prepare as I have and to leave it in his hands. Um, because God has something that he wants to say uh, to us today. You know, undoubtedly, one of the greatest experiences that you and I have ever had uh, in God's love has been the forgiveness of our sins. He's done many things for us, but none can compare to what he's done in the area of forgiveness of our sins. And so today, as we began this You Asked For It series, today, if I were to give it a title, as Colt and I were working on things for today, um, I would give it the title 70 times 7, the principle of forgiveness. You know, probably one of the most powerful words in our world today is the word forgiveness. Forgiveness has the power to bring freedom hearts and minds, hearts and minds that have been held for months, years, and for some even decades. 
It's the power and the potential in human life that is unmatched by anything else. There's probably no greater way that love could have been expressed than through the unshackling power of forgiveness. You know, as I thought about the word forgiveness, I don't know if you're like I am, but I get often a lot of word pictures in my mind as I begin to think about it. And words came to mind like released, unburdened, unbridled. That's what happened to some of y'all today in worship. Unbridled. Clean, pure, set free, hope, new season. And you know, when I think about what Jesus Christ has done for me, how he's changed me, how he's forgiven me, how he's given me a brand new lease on life. It is no wonder the psalmist David said in Psalm 51 and 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. You know, throughout the Bible, Jesus had a lot to say about forgiveness, not only about you and I being forgiven. And last, last weekend, we talked about the fact that we are all sinners in need of a Savior. We need his forgiving power in our lives not only about being forgiven, but also about the power of forgiveness working through us to forgive others. There's so many things that we spend the energy of our life on, and Jesus said there are two that are the priorities. If you don't get anything else done in life, Jesus said you make sure you get these two things done. Number one, love God. Secondly, love others. We need that forgiveness, that vertical process of forgiveness between us and God to take place. But he said it's not enough for you and I to be in right relationship. He said you need to be in right relationship horizontally too. You've got to be in right relationship with those that are around you. Listen to the words that Jesus spoke in Mark 11 and verse 25. He said when you stand praying... If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Luke 6 and 37, forgive and you will be forgiven. Matthew 6 and verse 12, we know it well from the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That prayer is really a prayer of, Lord, forgive me the way I have forgiven others. Treat me with the same mercy that I've given others. Extend to others the same grace that I've extended to others. As we look at forgiveness, there's nothing that we can look to that is greater. No, no better example, no better uh, thought process than what Jesus Christ had to say about this issue. There's probably no, uh, there are many places we could go throughout the scriptures when we talk about forgiveness, but probably nothing greater than this passage in Matthew chapter 18. It is the parable 
of the unmerciful servant. And so if you want to keep your Bible or your electronic device open, we'll have the passages on the screen as well. But we're just going to walk together for a few minutes through this passage of Scripture together. Beginning in verse number 21 is where we'll begin. Then Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times... How many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, as Pharisees, their thinking process was that if you forgave someone three times, you were a person of extended grace and extended mercy. It is with that thought process, Peter comes to Jesus and he says, up to seven times? Peter has an underlying thought in his question. And I think it's a thought probably we've all wrestled with if we'll really be honest about it. It's the thought that says, I will forgive up to a certain point And there will come a time in my relationship with others when they've crossed the line and I will not extend grace any longer. There must come a time in our life, Peter's saying, when we say enough is enough. If I continue just to delve out forgiveness, they will take advantage of me I will just keep giving out grace. Peter is implying there must come a time when forgiveness will cease. Now the issue that brings us to the point of forgiveness is really where the struggle is found. Every one of those cases where we know that we must extend forgiveness, there's an issue, there's an underlying reason for it. There are those who have been wounded very deeply at the hands of another person. For many, circumstances have occurred when they were children. Circumstances have occurred throughout their lives and they have been mistreated at the hands of another person. And I will tell you today for those we will walk very carefully through this process. And my prayer for you is that if you have experienced that, my prayer for you today, my friend, is for healing in your life. I would probably submit to you today, though, that most times that I have crossed this arena with people over the years... That for many people, this issue of forgiveness is not an issue of a great sin like abuse or adultery or even murder. For most, the difficulty in forgiveness has to do with the spirit of offense. Offense for the believer is the place of the crucible. 
There are so many that deal with the spirit of offense, and I would even submit to you today that there are those who carry about with themselves a spirit of offense. You've experienced those individuals before. Right now, everything in our culture, everybody's screaming, I'm offended. But long before it became popular to be offended, people walked in offense. Notice what Jesus said in verse 22. Jesus answered Peter and he said this, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Now, some of you may have the King James or the New King James Version with you. It says 70 times seven. 490 times, Jesus said. What is, what is Jesus really teaching us here? Is it one of those things where uh, we keep a record? We're marking them down? You're within 100, buddy. <laughs> Better watch out. Actually, what Jesus is trying to teach us here is you can't put a limit on forgiveness. So to explain the point that Jesus made in answering Peter, he begins by telling a story. Jesus was a master storyteller. You can, you can visualize what's happening. He begins in verse 23. Look there with me, if you will. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Why did he use such a number? Jesus is really trying to help Peter understand this is an unpayable debt. Ten, not not 10,000 pieces of gold, 10,000 bags of gold. If you worked your entire life never sleeping, working 24-7 until you day that you die, you would never be able to pay back that kind of an amount. It's an unpayable debt. Friends, I would remind you today that you and I had an unpayable debt that we owed God. A debt that could never be paid. I, I believe that forgiveness is an important issue with God because he knows the value of the price that was paid to free you and I from our sin. Look at verse 25. Talking about the servant, he said, Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. He could not pay. No matter what the king's orders were, no matter the king's uh, thinking, there was no way this guy's going to be able to pay. There, there is no payment plan. There's no three easy steps, three months to get this back. It's never going to happen. Many people have done many things. To you, to family members, to children, to spouses, and they cannot pay. 
There's no possible way they can repair the damage that has been done. They cannot replace what has been taken. They cannot heal what has been injured. They cannot pay. There's no amount of payment you can get from them. No revenge that you can impose to pay the price. Sometimes we think if I were to enact vengeance, it would somehow soothe my conscience and it would somehow bring this thing to a closure, but there is no amount of revenge that can ever give back what's been taken. Since this servant could not pay it back, the master ordered, gave the orders that he and his family and all that he had be sold until the debt was paid, which would never happen. Look at verse 26. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me. Notice, notice these next two words. He begged. He begged. And I will pay back everything, which was impossible. No way it's going to happen. He couldn't live long enough to pay it back. It has been said, the person who sins against us, wrongs us, and hurts us, never actually takes into account what they will owe us for their wrong. The person who needs to be forgiven never accurately calculates what they will owe. I think that would be true of us with God, wouldn't it? Verse 27, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Our choice... Our choice, and that's, that's two really big words right there, our choice. Our choice to forgive others is directly tied to the miracle that we have experienced through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Verse 28. But when that servant went out, how did he go out? He, he went out free. He went out delivered. He went out debt-free. He went out set-free. He went out uh, a picture of mercy. He went out a picture of grace. He left the king's court a free man. I, I'm sure that he walked out that day walking a little bit higher, and his countenance was changed when he went out. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Boy, the story turned quick, didn't it? The treasury of scriptural knowledge describes it this way. A hundred silver coins would not have been one six hundred thousandth of a part of the ten thousand bags of gold that he owed. This was nothing in comparison. Jesus makes the point very, very clear 
problem is that we lose sight of what we really owed. We struggle with forgiveness because we fully don't we don't fully grasp the reality of how indebted to God you and I have been. Look at verse 29, the story continues. His fellow servant, notice this, it before it was the king and the servant. Now they're on level playing ground. See before it was the vertical See, the king sits in a higher place. When you walked into the king's court, the king sat up higher than everybody else. He sat up on a throne that was above everyone else. He was always seated higher than the servants. This vertical correspondence had to take place. Now the man goes out from the king's court, and now it's on a vertical plane. Notice the word, his fellow servant, his friend, his comrade, his neighbor, Uh, Someone he is acquainted with. Obviously, they are acquainted because he had loaned him money. I don't know if you just give money to everybody, but usually you give money to people that are your friends. Had some type of relationship. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Those were the same words spoken to the king about a debt that could never be paid. And now they are the words that are spoken about a debt that could be resolved. Look at verse 30. But he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened... They were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Can I submit to you today that God knows everything that's happening in our lives? Verse 32, then the master called the servant in. There will be a time, friends, when we'll all be called to stand before God. And we will give an account of our lives. The master called the servant in. He said these words, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. The master responded by asking a question. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? It's a rhetorical question. Of course the answer, he knows the answer. The answer is yes, but I chose not to do it. Remember the words very powerful passage in John chapter 13. Jesus is talking in the 13th chapter of John about bearing fruit. Fruit that brings righteousness forward. And Jesus said these words, now that you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I knew, but I didn't do it. 
The word in this story, as Jesus tells the story, says the man was delivered to the jailers to be tortured until his debt could be paid, which would never happen. Then Jesus said these words, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. From John 13, Now if we know these things, then why don't we forgive? I would submit a couple of reasons to you today why we don't forgive. Number one is this, we overlook the truth that our refusal to extend forgiveness to someone else can hinder our opportunity to be forgiven by God. Have you ever been working outside and maybe uh, you were hammering some nails and you hammered the wrong nail? I've never seen anybody that just went, oh, no big deal. <laughs> the first thing we do, we grab the finger and we... Immediately, everything we were thinking about before is gone. All we can think about is the pain that we're feeling. We don't care what you're doing. We don't care who's having what for lunch. All we care about is I am in pain right now and I can't think about anything other than the pain that I'm experiencing. When we have been hurt or offended or God forbid uh, abused even at the hands of another We can, in the midst of our pain, forget that there's a step that we have to take. We've been hurt, and the truth is, let's be honest, sometimes we don't think it has anything to do with God. But the truth is, it has everything to do with God. Secondly, one of the reasons why we don't forgive is we make rationalizations. We can come up. How many of you know we can come up with an answer for everything, can't we? The police officer pulls you over. Why were you speeding? Well, I was on my way to church. I was late. Don't want to walk in and be late for church. You know how those pastors are. We're good at making rationalizations, and that's really what Peter was doing with Jesus. He was saying to Christ, I'll go this far and then no more. If you will, Peter was looking for a loophole. How many times do we do the same? It's the thought that surely there are some people, and, and when I say that phrase, some people, y'all get a picture in your head of what some people look like. You even know their names. There are some people I don't have to forgive. It's as though we think our case is different than someone else's. And actually what Jesus was trying to teach us was there are no loopholes. There are no exceptions. We're all the same. When someone injures us, it is easy for us to look for an excuse, but there are none. Part of those rationalizations, we say, well, you know what? It's too big. It's too big for me to forgive. 
all the more reason for you not to carry it. The bigger the issue, the harder the forgiveness, the more reason to be done away with it. We also have get, get excuse me, get my mouth and my brain in gear. We also come to the place where often we will say, well, I'm just going to let some time go. And surely that'll make it better. How many of you found that doesn't work either? I'll forgive when they're sorry. Yeah. Now you will notice something about this story that Jesus shares. This person came to them. We're going to talk about into next week. We're going to talk about how do we deal with this when we can't sit down and talk with that person. You know, the truth, I'm just going to be real honest with you. There are some times because of abuse that we have suffered at the hands of another, we can't sit down in the same room. That's just real reality. It's too dangerous. We can't do it. We can't put our children in that situation. We can't sit down and have a come-to-Jesus meeting. It's not possible. There are also times when we have suffered at the hands of another and they've passed away. There is nobody to go sit down and have the conversation with. So how do, we, how do we move on in this thing? This situation Jesus is talking about, he says the guy came to him. And yet he still wouldn't forgive him. Often we rationalize by saying, I can't forgive you if I can't forget what you've done to me. Truth is, you may never on this earth be able to completely, 100% forget it as though it never happened in your life. But that doesn't mean we can't move on. The truth is, I will tell you this, the more we rehearse it, the more it stays alive. The more I rehearse it, the less chance of me forgiving. If I am able to lay it aside and move forward, instead of it being a front memory, it becomes a distant memory. This is probably one of the tougher ones. If I forgive, they'll just do it again. If I release them, they'll think I'm, I'm okay with what they've done. If I release them, they're going to think it's okay and I'm going to make it easier for them to come and do it to me again. And so I'm going to hold their feet to the fire. What I would submit to you today from Scripture is this. We are not responsible for what they do. We are only responsible for what we do. The rest is between them and God, but it is our part to lay it down. Today, we're really kind of laying groundwork for where we're going to go next week in this. I think it's important that we look at how God views unforgiveness. You'll notice in the story, if you'll look back there, because we're going to reference that story again here. You'll notice that the consequences of unforgiveness are lasting, verse 34. 
In anger, the master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This was not the response of grace. This was the response to the choice the servant had made. We have all been given choice. Look at verse 35. This is probably, this verse 35, honestly, is probably one of the tougher passages of Scripture that we walk through. This is how my heavenly Father, Jesus, said, will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. This is no mistake. This is a word of truth for us because the, the truth is Jesus knew you and I had the ability to forgive in our head but not our heart. What's the difference? When I forgive in my head, I can look at you and smile and say, I forgive you and walk away and stab you. I'm just being real with you. Jesus said, it's not a case of forgiving from the mind. We must forgive from the heart. The Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks man isn't it true when unforgiveness is bound in our hearts our mouth will speak our bodies will act Jesus said you must forgive from the heart that's where real release takes place what when we come to Jesus what is the phrase we use we say Lord I give you my heart it is the center that's why the proverb says, guard your heart, for out of your heart flow the very issues of life. Everything you do comes from the heart. Matthew 6 and verse 14, Jesus said these words, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And right there, I want to I, I stop and talk to your heart for just a minute. And this is what I talked about in reference when we began. There are individuals... Um, I'm not saying this because I know your situation, your name. I'm saying it from a statistical standpoint. There are people in this room who have endured uh, abuse and wrong, uh, heinous crimes towards them from another person. And I'll be honest with you, it's, you know, when, when we walk, uh, let me give you an example to Justify, tell you the difference. When we walk into church and uh, somebody walks by us and they didn't shake our hand or they didn't even acknowledge us, and well, well. Or if we walk into church and God forbid somebody's sitting in our seat. <laughs> wow. Wow. Or they sent me a text and I didn't respond. And we get offended. 
They don't respond, and we begin thinking, oh, what's going on? And there's a problem, and there's the this, and there's the that, and our minds race. Those kinds of forgiveness, listen, those are, those, those are uh, so simple. Those are petty. Those are the things that trip us, but they're petty. And, and it's, you know, when we sit in a place like this and we hear somebody, you know, that offended me because they didn't, they didn't say the right words or they said, you ever had people say dumb stuff to you? You know, I know we're in church, but I'm just being real honest. They say stuff and you just go, what were you thinking? What's wrong with you? I just want to make sure y'all live in the same world that I live in. <laughs> they say those things and we get offended. There's got to be forgiveness that takes place. Most of the time, those are things we deal with. Now, you compare that to someone who has uh, faced unbelievable hardship at the hands of another person. And, and we, uh, a preacher or somebody else stands in the pulpit and says, you forgive? The word says you have to forgive or he won't forgive you. And they are so rocked on the inside and they're like, how, how, how? My life has been altered at the hands of another. My life has been totally turned around. What? Let me tell you, that one is easy to say, difficult to do. I tell you this this morning, I would submit to you this. Not only does forgiveness need to take place, but there, needs, there has to be a healing. There's got to be a healing that takes place. That's not just a, you know, I, I, I uh, don't misunderstand me. God can do anything in a second. But that's not just somebody, I hop up from my seat, I go to the altar, pray, and I get up, and I, it's never an issue again. Uh, because there are people who have been physically, mentally, emotionally scarred. And so there's a process, I believe, that we walk through in that process. Nonetheless, the words are true. If you forgive others, he says, I will forgive you. Listen to James 2 and verse 13. This one especially, I think, speaks to the mindset of the person who, you know, ha, um, have you ever had somebody come to you and say, listen, I want you to know that I forgive you for what you did, and you have no idea what you even did? You're like, honey, honestly, you're like, you know, I was having a good day, and you just ruined it. You just rained on my parade. I have no idea what you're even talking about. Listen. You, you can't forgive them until you've sat down with them and talked first. Don't, listen, don't go and say, I just forgive you for what you did to me. If they have no idea what they did, go sit down with them and talk and be reconciled together. Then you can forgive them. But with that in mind, listen to James 2 and 13 because judgment judgment without mercy That is three very scary words. Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been 
merciful. Listen to this. This has been said that grace is getting what we don't deserve. I think that'd be true. Dude. Grace is getting what we don't deserve, and mercy is not getting what we do deserve. When we choose to give mercy, we choose not to give them what they deserve. Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. James, excuse me, Matthew 5 and verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You know, we often, for a lot of years, we wore a bracelet, that, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And we'd say... I want to be like Jesus. Years ago in the church, we sang a song, To Be Like Jesus, To Be Like Jesus. All that I ask is to be like Him. We talk about, I want to be like Jesus. How am I most like Jesus? I would submit to you today that we are most like Jesus when we are forgiving. It's the most powerful thing that can happen in a life when we extend forgiveness. For forgiveness, listen to this, forgiveness is the decision Remember we talked earlier about a choice? Forgiveness is the decision to release. There's some really key words here. To release a person from the obligation that occurred when they injured me. I choose to release you. I choose to release you. It's kind of like a bird who's been caged. And you open the door to the cage, and the bird flies away. No more structure, no more confinement. Released, released. I would submit to you today that your willingness to make the decision to forgive somebody does more for you than it does for them. Listen, Jesus didn't create you and I to walk around. Probably the, you know, in life, you have found there, there are some things that kind of top the list that are big pressure things in life. One of them is money. How many of you know when... When money can be a very big pressure and frustration in your life. Usually, actually, I probably should make this same, but the lack of money. <laughs> I haven't felt too many people that are frustrated because I got extra money this month. <laughs> what do I do with it? It's the lack. Big frustration. Number two is the weight of walking around through life with this satchel on your back of hurts, offenses that have happened in your life. It causes you, have you ever carried a heavy load? And you, I mean, you pick it up and it's just all you can do to get through because this heavy load is weighing you down. It is inhibiting your mobility. It's inhibiting you moving forward. And every, everything you do is a strain. Everything you do is work. There is, there's no joy. There's no, there's no happiness. You know, this morning when we were in worship, and uh, 
And we were enjoying the presence of the Lord and just joy in Jesus. There, there was people around the front that I could see. I couldn't see you back here because I had my back to you. But the people around the front, man, they were dancing. That didn't look like people who were way down. When I carry heavy weight, there's not much dancing that goes on. It may look like I'm dancing, but I'm just trying to carry. <laughs> and I mean, it's just all that I can do. And it's every day. It's drudgery. It's a burden. I get up. It's there. I go through life. It's there. I get to the end of the day. It's there. It is a weight. It is a burden. <sighs> Friend, you and I were not created for that. Yes, what they did was wrong. There aren't even words sometimes to describe how terrible and heinous the acts were. But you're not bettering yourself by carrying it. Really the thing we do when we, we choose to release is that we free not only them, we free ourselves. I don't want to walk with that anymore. I don't want to. I don't want to carry that thing anymore. Next week we're going to be talking about. Okay, if we, if we're going to walk through forgiveness, how, how what steps do I take? Um, because probably all of us in this room have said, "I forgive somebody," and and a week later. Boy, thought pops back in our head, and we get aggravated, and we get angry, and we think, have I really forgiven them, or am I still dealing with this thing? That's what we're going to talk about next week, about how to make forgiveness final, how, how to move forward. It's not about, you know, because, listen, if we're not careful, we, we're still, we say, I'm free, but I only get so far, and then the, I'm tethered back again. We're going to talk about that next week. I felt, um, I will tell you this, in preparation for today, um, I, I shared with my wife yesterday, um, she, was, she was here and had um, a group of worship leaders here, and so she was gone, and I was home, and I, I kept all week long, I, I had said, this is the direction we're going to go for today, and all week long, I'm, I, I'm not kidding you. I kept having this sense that what I was sharing was wrong. And, and I kept thinking, it's me, it's me. It's, it's you know, I, I don't have the right words for the day, and I don't have the right thoughts for the day. And, and in fact, uh, Colton could tell you, when, uh, on Thursday when I got to the end of the day, I said, listen, you've got the sermon graphic done. But I said, Colton, I've just been wrestling all week. I said, I don't know if we're going to get there or not. And so Friday wasn't any different. I'm telling you, every day it was just heavy, 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 heavy. And it was, it was almost like every time that I would think about doing this message today, it was like, um, nope, that's not the right thing. Nope, that's not the right thing. Nope, that's not the right thing. That's not the right thing. And I thought, I thought okay, I, I'm just going to be real with you for a moment, if you don't mind. I'll let you into my world as crazy as it may be. 
I kept thinking, this must be the Lord telling me it's the wrong message, and I'm not listening very good. But the problem was I wasn't getting any other direction. And so I remember being in the car, and I'm like, Lord, Lord, I don't know what else to say, but if you want me to do something else, you just got to tell me. I'll say whatever you want. Just tell me what you want. Well, yesterday... um. I went into the house to sit down for a little while and just to go through the notes for today and just kind of to go through the scriptures and kind of read through those things. And finally, I was just like, God, listen, I, I, we, 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 it's tomorrow. <laughs> we got to do something here. <laughs> I got to hours. And uh, I don't know if, I don't think I shared this with y'all. If y'all might remember about four or five weeks ago, when I got ready to preach, Paula had, she had called me up on the platform, and she said if some of you remember that she had had a dream and that there was a spirit that was putting a, uh, like a pillow over my mouth to try to stop me from speaking. What was, you know, she was like, oh, wow, okay. What, what you don't know is, then later that day, somebody else came and said, listen, I, um, I had a dream same night. I had a dream, and I saw you out in a field, and this spirit was, trying, was speaking at you, trying to discourage you from speaking. Okay. You know, when it's one, you might say, okay, they had pizza the other night and they weren't sleeping very well. Another person comes, okay, later then, later in the week, somebody came off and said, listen, I need, there's something I need to tell you. I had a dream, and it was the same night that Paul had, had the dream and the other person had the dream, and it was the exact same process the enemy was trying to Stop me from speaking. Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. I had not, you know, I heard those things. Lord, help me, you know, keep me going. And everything's great. I trust you. But I really never felt the effects of that process. Yesterday, when I began to pray, the Lord brought all that back to my mind. And I'm not kidding you. I said, Lord Jesus, I need your help. When I said those words, it was like you flipped a switch and the burden I had carried all week left that fast. I'm not kidding you. I have never experienced that fast of a reversal of spiritual attack. I mean, it left just that fast. Immediately, it was gone. I had clarity of mind, and I'm like, wow, it, yeah, boy, that is the right thing. Why did I share that with you? Because the enemy doesn't want somebody to hear these words. I believe that with my heart. It's not my part to figure out who that is. That's not my part. God already knows. God knew it before we got here. I know this can be a, uh, a very, very delicate situation with some folks. And some of you have been hurt, you've been abused, you've been embarrassed, you've been shamed. Um, and listen, today, I'm not here to help that. I'm not here to help make you feel more uncomfortable. 
I am here today because I think Jesus wants to do some healing in your heart. You may think that this is not as big of a deal, but I'm telling you, it's a really big deal. I want right now what I want to do is right where you're at. I'm just going to ask you to, would you bow your head and close your eyes? Paula, yeah, just Paula, everybody else, all the rest of the team can stay where you're at. While your head's bowed, some of you, um, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know the pain. The pain is very real. It's very raw. It's very real in your life. Some of you, uh, it's been decades, but you still have dreams at night about it. Some of you can remember every detail. This morning, my prayer for you today is that Jesus will begin a healing in your heart. We can be wounded physically, and a physical wounding is easier to deal with than an emotional wound. With a physical wound, you can watch it long enough and you'll see it starting to heal itself. An emotional wound is not always that way. So right now, I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. My God, my Father in heaven, There are children in this room of yours that are hurting. They're confused when they hear words of forgiveness because all they know is grief and sorrow and pain. Lord, I believe for that process ever to take place, for there to find release, God, first of all, we need some healing. God, some of us are broken. There are ones in this room, Father, today that their lives have literally been altered at the hands of someone else. And Father, it seems like that person has just walked away scot-free and yet they live daily with the horrors of the thoughts in their mind. And Father, they live daily with the nightmares They live daily with fear. Father, we do not take lightly what's happened in their lives.
Jesus, would you look down on them this morning, right? Right here in this room, right in this quiet moment. Right in this quiet moment. God, there's nothing that they have felt that you haven't seen and you haven't known. You know when the tears have flowed. You know when their hearts have been heavy. Jesus, if there's one thing that I have found about you over these many years, and as I've read through your words so many times, it's that you're a God who is able to take broken pieces and put them back together. So many times it looks impossible because it's beyond mankind's ability. But nothing supersedes your ability. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray today for your healing for hearts that are broken. And friends, uh, I'm just going to ask you right where you're at as I'm praying. Um, if you need his healing in your life, just very quietly where you're at, just between him, just say, Jesus, I need your healing. I need your healing. I'm broken. And I need you to put my life back together. Jesus, I pray right now you would hear the prayers of these very precious people. And I pray in the name of Jesus you would begin a healing process in their life. God, the wound has been so difficult, I don't think it's humanly possible. We need a divine healing. So Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would take and bind up the brokenhearted. That's what you were anointed to do. Pray, God, that you would begin the process today of giving hope in the midst of hopelessness. Would you turn our mourning? Would you turn our sorrow? And would you bring us relief? Would you bring us relief? Lord, all I can do is lay this in your hands today. I know you know each person by name and you know each situation. I believe you. And so, Lord, the ones that needed you prepared all this for today, would you do your work in their hearts, I ask. Began today, oh Jesus, that beginning today would be a new course direction. Help in Jesus' name I pray.
This morning I want to submit this thought to you. Some of y'all are going to begin a new journey starting today. But I understand there are still some hurdles that have to be crossed over. There's some processes in that. Next week we're going to we're going to take some time. We're going to look at what the scripture says about how, how do I move forward? How, how do I move out of this place where I've been? And how do I move forward? Because I think that's important. You know, it's a process, isn't it? It's a journey we're all walking in him. I believe with all of my heart that if you ask him today for his healing, he's beginning something new in your heart. Because that's the kind of God he is. It's not hard. You, do, you don't have to earn it. You just say, Lord, I need your mercy and your grace. So that's where we're, we're going to head next week. So we talk about how do, how do we come to a place of making... Uh, forgiveness final and moving forward in us. Would you stand with me today? Can I remind you today of how very much that God loves you? It's not just a trite statement. It's a truth. And it is his love for you and for me that will carry us through every one of these places, through every valley, through every difficulty. He will carry us through. You know, there's a great scripture. It says, he who began a good work in you will complete it. What you couldn't do for yourself, <laughs> he could do. He who began a good work in you, he will complete it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe you've begun a good work in us. Father, thank you for your great love that you have for us. Father, thank you that you sent Jesus who was anointed to bind up the brokenhearted and to heal the bruised and the broken. Thank you. Thank you that there is an answer and his name is Jesus. So Lord, today, would you keep your hand upon each one of these people? Father, in the name of Jesus, would you keep them safe this week? God, for those today who have prayed during this time together, Lord, would you just come in extra close to them today? Remind them how much you love them, care for them, and you're right here. You're walking the journey with them. Remind them that their best days are yet ahead, not behind. I trust you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said together, I'd like to encourage you in something. Uh, tonight we're going to get together uh, for our picnic. And, uh, I just want to encourage you to be there, not because 
just because we're a church, we put on an event, we want to say everybody come. I just want to encourage you to be there. It's a great fellowship with other believers. So I just encourage you, come together for a great time of fellowship and laughter and joy in the Lord. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and shower you with every good thing in Jesus' name. God bless you all. Have a great day. May the joy of the Lord be your strength. God bless you.